Power Podcasters Changing the Way the World Communicates, starring Scott Patton, the Dean of Blogonomics and Podology. Scott has been podcasting since 2005, and over 5,000 entrepreneurs just like you have benefited from his extensive knowledge, deep experience, and heart-based coaching. Confused about online marketing, SEO, PPC, SEM, or other obscure letters of the alphabet? Each week in plain English, Scott and his guests share proven strategies guaranteed to ignite your creative juices and get your business moving forward at warp speed. We attribute the success of our podcast to our commitment to excellence and our commitment to you, our valued listeners. So tune in each week as we explore podcasting, internet marketing, and the unweb with Scott Patton at www.powerpodcasters.com. Now strap in, mute your ringer, and get ready to shoot for the stars. Because here's Scott. Welcome, everybody. This is a blab, and uh, it's a Power Podcasters blab, and I'm doing this for uh, one of my students because they had a question, they put it in their Power Podcast discussion group, and I thought I could take a stab at answering it, but one of the beautiful things about the world that we live in is the fact that you don't have to be the expert in all topics in the world. I know there are people around that you see them on TV all the time who pretend to know everything. Uh, I don't, and I don't want to, particularly when he's here and he knows like gazillion times more about the topic than I do and more than I would ever want to know. So uh, Dan Diet and I have known each other since 2000 and I think it's three. Could be, yeah, because you were at the Internet Marketing Center before me. So yeah, so 12... No. You, no, I think you were at the same time as me. Okay, we were okay, so we were like I don't remember you not ever being there. So yeah, I trained at your desk. I remember the first time. Oh, I guess I was in the tech area before you, though. Yeah, you were in the tech area before me, and I beat you into the mentoring, but you you were in the tech. And so we've kept up our friendship ever since. I left a few years later, and uh, Dan and I we love to get together and talk about stuff that nobody else wants to hear about. And uh, he's done a lot of stuff in search engine optimizing, local internet marketing, you name it. He's an expert at putting it all together, particularly when it comes to stuff that you go, I have no clue. Dan is like, ah, piece of cake. And uh, so I want to read the question that started this whole thing. It's from Francisco. Thank you, Francisco. And a subject of interest would be on how to make a compelling email and follow-up that will persuade more uh, industry rock stars to be uh, interviewed on my podcast. I'm going to change the wording around a little bit. Having a couple templates would be awesome. Thanks. You know, one of the things that we talk about in Power Podcasting is how do you get guests? There are probably some right ways and wrong ways to compose your email to your guests. And so I'm going to turn it over to Dan first. How would you respond, first of all, to Francisco? Well, first thing I would probably say is that there is a, an ancient book that everyone should probably own a copy of written in the 1930s that has a really, really good answers for this kind of stuff written by a man named Dale Carnegie mm -hmm. called How to Win Friends and Influence People. On Facebook, we've all got 5,000 friends, but what I mean by, uh, but more specifically, influencing people, first thing I would think is what's the big benefit to the person you want to interview? And the second thing I would want to think about is like, you know, if you've watched any of their other stuff online, kind of figure out what their likes and dislikes are. I would also install something uh, called uh, Sidekick by HubSpot. It's free for the first month, and if you keep inviting people, you can have it for free for a long time. Uh, but basically what it'll do is tell you if the guy opened the email or not. Use that. That is like 
creepy, right? Like I'll send an email and then it's like, okay, you've read it, you've opened it, uh, I know you've got it, and you're avoiding me because you haven't answered for three weeks. <laughs> and I know you're in Los Angeles right now when you said you were still home in Florida. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it, it is creepy, but it's also, it's really beneficial if you're sending out proposals or an, a request to join a podcast. Yeah, because then so, you know someone's, if they've got it, right? Yeah, so I mean... The bottom line is, unless they've told you to, uh, you know, sun doesn't shine, uh, you know, you know, you don't have to, you can keep trying, right? So trying different angles. And so obviously the first place to start is the subject line. I would, uh, just because uh, getting that open is when you think about an email subject line, it's kind of like the headline to copy. The important thing is that you don't have to actually say it's about a podcast interview or anything like that. If you're just, you know, the whole point of the subject line is just to get open, not to necessarily sell the idea. So you could use a crazy subject line, but I think a lot of experts don't mind being interviewed. So there's probably nothing against uh, trying the first email to just literally say, you know, uh, would you like to join us on ABC podcast? The second thing I would probably do is, you know, in the actual body, I would probably dive into, you know, uh, a little bit about the podcast itself, explaining, you know, um, what you cover. Uh, what do people in the tribe typically have heard in the past? Like, for example, with you, Scott, you could easily say, you know, people who listen to my podcast are, you know, well-known internet marketers who have uh, been on the show before, as well as people who are interested in, you know, internet marketing advice and material and blah, blah. Like, you know, maybe even mention statistics of, you know, the last, you know, few podcasts have gotten over 3,000 downloads or 2,000 downloads, you know, so highlighting the exposure, but also you know, maybe even say, you know, I know you've probably been, I've been noticing a lot lately in the podcast world, one of the biggest complaints, uh, Joel Com was saying that he said, would somebody please interview me and ask me some questions that aren't on every podcaster's or interviewer's list, you know, right? the, the standard, how did you get started? You know, what would you do if you had a thousand bucks, you know, and a ferret and a microbus, like, no, you know, like, you know, but these standard questions people ask are just getting uh, insane. So I would probably even forward somebody some some juicy questions and say, you know what, these are the kind of things that my viewers want to know about your topic. And I promise you that, you know, we'll get some, we'll have a good time, we'll have some fun, we'll, you know, whatever, we'll get some and we'll really dig into some of the questions that people have been begging to know about you, uh, position you as the expert, get you some exposure and really kind of just think about it from their perspective. What do you think this person would want most out of an interview. The whole idea of knowing what your guest wants, right? Like I think too often what happens is people, well, I want you to be on my show unless you've got a relationship with them already. I mean, all I did was say, hey, Dan, you said, hey, Scott. I said, I got this question about emails. I thought of you first. Love to have you on as a blab. And you said, great, like when? So I said, like, how about in half an hour? And here we are. But we have this good, strong relationship. I can do that right now. If I didn't know Dan, I would probably say, you know, Dan, I've got 3,500 students in my power podcasting course. And one of them said, oh, this thing about emails. And like, you know, I know how to write an email, but I just was thinking about you. And I really like that you did this post on Facebook and this tweet that you did. And you, you know, these are the other things. And oh, by the way, you know, I saw you on YouTube when you were talking about blah, 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 blah. So I thought, you know, you'd be a really good person to ask this question. And here's the question. So would you like to come on my podcast? Would you like to go on a blab? Would you like to go on a hangout? Like whatever the format that you want to do. But you see, I've already told him, like, I got 3,500 people. They might, you know, want some of your services. And I don't have to tell them, 
he'll have a chance to, you know, to pitch at the end because there's no way he won't because I'll be asking, well, like, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, I do email servers and email marketing and email this and email that. And this pastor grew from, you know, two people in his church to 25,000 people in his church in two weeks because of my email campaign. And Joel Calm uses me for email marketing or whoever, right? I mean, he's got all this credibility that he can just throw out at, uh, at my audience that's already warm. Like if I say, Dan is a good guy, they're going to say, I trust Scott, Dan must be a good guy. You give people that nice, warm introduction and position the guest as the expert, get the answer to your question. So, but then if, if Dan had hates writing email, then obviously my whole approach is going to be going out the window immediately because that's just not going to work, right? So I really think if you've got, I think there's another part to this too, which is where you want to start. If you're starting out and it's your second podcast, probably aren't going to want to go for the Dalai Lama or somebody that's, you know, or Justin Bieber, you know, you're going to want to, depending on your audience, you're going to want to start somewhere, build it all up before you go for the huge celebrities, I would think. Yeah, unless you're kind of niche specific and you can kind of get away with it. Like, you know, I'm starting a a podcast called emailexpertpodcast.com. And the whole point of it is that I'm going to interview email experts. And, you know, it's weird is in that niche, people who genuinely refer to themselves as email marketing experts are, are not kind of like the Donald Trumps and the, you know, the Frank Kearns of the world. They're not the kind of people that are so untouchable that, you know, they wouldn't want to talk to you. But more than that, I mean, they just the, the tribe's small enough that us email guys, you know, don't get to talk to each other enough where, heck, you know, me and Mitch Tarr, we uh, we went for uh, dinner a couple of weeks ago in Birch Bay, Washington, and him and I were both like, our spouses don't understand this stuff. This is great. We can talk in our language and we can talk about, uh, you know, sorbs and spam complaints and MX toolbox and all these different problems that can happen, register our issues with domains that have been blocked by spam all these different things and we could speak our language and you know it's kind of like two aliens talking to each other and the rest of the room even the lady delivering the the beers and the coffees was like these guys must be aliens every group has its own language and you actually reminded me when i when i was working at a major grocery chain for 20 years and i remember being in the middle of the sales floor talking to two of my staff for about three minutes it was just you know basically i was giving them directions and a customer had stopped behind me so when I was done, everybody took off and she turned to me and she says, you know, I listened to you the whole time and I have no idea what you said. <laughs> it's quite funny, eh? I don't want to get into that. The point being is, is that you have a topic for your podcast. There's a community of people that are interested in that topic and there are people that want to be heard and there's people that the, your tribe wants to hear. And so once you identify those people, then it's the biggest problem I really think is you know, what's in it for me? Like, we tend to tell people, hey, I, I this is what I want. And we don't ever sort of think, well, like, you know, what do you want? What can I offer you in exchange for your time that's going to be very valuable? Part of this question for me is, is approachability. And when you're in the tribe, it's kind of like, I don't know Dan, but I know Mitch. So, you know, Mitch, I, you know, I want to talk to Dan about this. You know, what do you think he's going to say? Oh, well, hell, no problem. Just call him. You'll be fine. Or it'll be, well, don't talk about his football team because they're losing and he's really upset about it right now. So talk about something else when you warm him up or whatever, right? I mean, it's even if he didn't tell me very much and I just said, by the way, Dan, you know, I was talking to Mitch. He mentioned you. That's all of a sudden I've got that rub. And so it's okay. Well, you know, Mitch suggested that I contact you because you could help. 
well, now he's not going to put Mitch in the, pro you know, he's not going to make Mitch look bad because Mitch just made him look good. And so he's going to be there. So when you look at your group and your community and the people around it, you're probably more connected to them than you think you are, I guess is my point. The second part is when you're doing stuff, people around you see. And I've had that happen actually twice in the last week where a gal I've known for a long time contacted me and says, you know, I've been watching you. I really like what you're doing and I want to do some stuff. And I said, oh, okay, let's talk about it. Right. And then another person just this morning was, I saw you on a blab and I had already interviewed him once. So it's not like he was a stranger and we've had conversations back and forth, but he contacted me. He says, you know, I just saw you on that blab you did yesterday. And I really like blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I want to talk to you and get together and chat about some stuff, right? So once you're kind of out there, because most people aren't, you get noticed, even if you don't think anybody's noticing. Like, I felt like I was being stalked by these both these people in a nice way, right? Like, really? You watching? I thought nobody was watching, right? The nice thing about Blabs is I can tell, you know, there's three people watching right now. And so when you're doing that and you're doing stuff, People want to be a part of it. And I think if you look at what are those people doing, what's important to those people, and what are you doing, and how can it fit, and how can you help each other, that's a big part of it. And then it's just putting it into your own language. I think one of the, the other part of this question, Dan, was a template. And I hate getting a templated email. I do too, but I also, I think that being able to follow a formula would probably be helpful. I mean, we mm -hmm. could probably blast one together pretty easy. Yeah. So the, the point being is, is if I wrote it out and handed it to you and it went out to a thousand people, it, uh, and I was one of the thousand people, I would, I could tell, right? Whereas if you, if you have a, a system, so that's what I meant by a template. The other part of a template is here's your email subject line. Here's how you open it up. Here's, you know, you talk a little bit about this sort of thing, that sort of thing, that sort of thing, that sort of thing. Here's your pitch and, you know, put a PS at the end and away you go. So that's a different type of template than, than the one I want. I want to make that distinction, right? Like if I give you a boilerplate and all of a sudden there's thousands of people sending out the same email and all you're doing is changing the name, that's not really going to work. That's true. And so the other thing I was thinking that I was starting to realize as we're talking through this is that the standard rules of persuasion also apply, right? Yeah. Like if you wanted to write this email, you could also use reciprocity by maybe sending them something of value uh, in exchange for uh, the possibility of coming on the podcast. You could also use social proof, like you were talking about, you know, X amount of people watch the show or uh, or listen, tune into the podcast. You could also use authority to kind of explain your own positioning in terms of like, you know, how popular you are. You could uh, use consistency where you say, you know, I know you're a big, you know, fan of X, Y, Z. And I know that you're a big fan of these topics or these uh, animal rights or whatever it is, or tinfoil hat topics or something, <laughs> you know, right. you could kind of make that in if you wanted to and use the consistency thing, uh, congruency, like all the, the six persuasion techniques Robert Caldini talks about, you could kind of play those into it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted to, in terms of getting That's uh, a great book influence, it sure is. I love it. I use it for just about everything and it, it works. It really does. I mean, you know, it's funny. I can't count how many times I've, you know, put into a landing page, uh, 4,000 people like this page. And when you just embed a different fan page than the actual lander, just using scarcity, you know, saying, Hey, listen, uh, looking into six other people, but I really want you. But if you don't get back to me by Friday, 
I'm, I've also got all these three other people that are interested in coming on the show, but I'd really like to work with you. If you get back to me by Thursday or Friday at the latest, uh, I still might have that seat open, but I can't guarantee it, right? Nothing like scarcity. Right. Scarcity, urgency, uh, reciprocity, social proof, uh, all those things work. You know, it would be worthwhile to even consider sending somebody like that uh, uh, a product or uh, sending them an article about something if they, uh, if you know they're interested in certain things. I have that happening to me actually quite often because a lot of the people that are kind of around me know these are the topics that Scott's interested in or talking about or evangelizing about. I'll get these private messages on Facebook or an email or it just comes from all over the place. Oh, I saw this, thought you'd really like it. And, and of course, it's always like, yeah, thanks. That was interesting information. Appreciate it. That's part of just, and, and I think that's great. You know, if you, if you, you can actually warm up the person that you want to approach. Start two or three weeks in advance and say, okay, like they're really interested in whatever the topic is, in addition to the reason that I want them, you know, the topic I may want them on my podcast. So if anybody hears or sees anything about banjo music, it's a big thing Scott really likes. <laughs> no, no, please, no. <laughs> Not banjo music, anything but. That's great. I'm, now I'm going to be inundated with YouTube videos. And I'll feel obliged to watch them and then comment intelligently about them to the person that sent them. Well, be grateful I didn't say bagpipes, right? I mean, that's all I got to say. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about a template. How would you sort of structure the, the flow of an email that you're going to send somebody who you want to have as a guest on your podcast? And let's say that you know they've got a couple things that are that are important to them. And you, you know what they, you, you've done a little bit of research. You know a little bit about them. We're kind of making this sort of up in a very general way, but how how would you approach it? Well, I think uh, probably start with uh, you know uh, the subject line being something like uh, "re upcoming podcast uh, interview with you" uh, or something like that, and then in the I don't remember that interview with him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like it's already scheduled, right? Because that's going to get attention. That's why I do the "re" colon, you know. Anyway, so I'd probably do that. And then that uh, VA been up to and I don't have one. <laughs> What's my VA been up to and I don't have one? Yeah, so I would do that. And then in the body, I would probably start off by talking about them first because, uh, you know, uh, some of the sweetest words in the English language are our own name. If I didn't know them at all, I would probably start off by saying stuff like, so I've been, you know, watching the things you post on YouTube and Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I noticed you really like A, B, and C. I noticed in a such and such interview, you're really interested in this. Well, this ties in perfectly with that, you know, because you're an expert in the uh, field of uh, left-sided bees. I just wanted to uh, mention that there, we're going to be doing a podcast about that. Um, I've got three other experts that I'm looking at, but you are particularly one of my favorites. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on A, B, and C. I know you've got a, you know, a really specific view on those things that people really appreciate. Now I'd mentioned my podcast has the, this kind of uh, viewership or should have this kind of viewership. I'm putting this kind of ad spend into it, or this kind of uh, JV partners that might hear about it, published on 8, 20, 40 different podcast directories and feeds, you know, and maybe even mention, uh, you know, all those kind of things, and then basically say, uh, you know, I need to hear from you by ABC date, so I can lock in my calendar. I think probably then just uh, wrap it up with looking forward to hearing from you. And then, of course, the follow-up, if I didn't get any response whatsoever uh, and it was opened, 
then I would probably just try the reciprocity approach like we talked about with sending different things. If it wasn't opened, I'd just try that exact same email again with a different subject line. Maybe even pretend they're already scheduled and say, uh, regarding our upcoming September 24th talk. Cool. You know, well, there's the, you know, in sales, you have the assumptive close, right? I think you want to assume that, of course, they're going to be want to be on the podcast. Like, why wouldn't they? It just makes total sense. Right. So the date's just a negotiation point. It's not really a yes or a no. That date doesn't work with you. Let us know dates to do and we'll see, you know, if we can be flexible. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate uh, you sharing that. I think we've covered that particular topic uh, pretty thoroughly. So tell us a little bit about email marketing in general and some of the stuff that you've been up to. Well, I'm working on a membership site for uh, my email marketing course. As you well know, uh, I kind of got into launches in the last little while. I've had some incredible experiences that I couldn't even begin to explain that uh, they make no sense. Businesses that have made very few or no sales that I bring in this approach and I run through a launch. And, and you know, it's weird. I mean, people think of it as an IM thing or or whatever, but I've even seen it work in lead generation field. Like I used it for debt consolidation and it worked, you know. So can you give us kind of an overview without getting into the details of the process? Yeah, so the process is that basically, assuming you either are building a list or have a list, you take brand new prospects um, or past prospects through a series of three free things or, or educational pieces. So they can be in an email or in a video or, you know, in a podcast. Uh, I've even done that in podcasts now. But either way, you get three valuable things and they're sent to you via email. Each one of them has an engagement function in it. You know, whether that email us or comment on this Facebook message box, uh, each one of them has an engagement component. And those are kind of the canary in the mind. They kind of tell us, you know what, these people are interested in the topic. We're asking the right questions. We're hitting the right hot buttons or we're not. Obviously, we usually there's a couple other little tricks we can do, whether it be a contest or, you know, whether it be uh, a burning question or whatever before we dive into the actual launch, which is, you know, basically a dream offer, um, which has a, a special package based on everyone's feedback and a limited window, you know, and then, of course, a, an official close date. And so that doesn't mean that you can't sell that item anymore. I mean, a lot of guys, Internet marketers, uh, close their funnels forever after the date. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe in is that, you know, Apple has the right idea. You know, everybody's standing out getting drenched in, the, in front of their stores this idea that the initial offering should be special. It should be, be some scarcity, some urgency, some, some excitement and some, a feeling that, you know, that you're unique and special that you've gotten a chance to, to jump in on this offer. So is most of the time that a price differential between like, here's my launch price and here's the regular price. Like for the first four hours, it's 20 bucks. And after that, it's 40 bucks. Or are there other ways of doing it? Well, there can be specific things like, for example, one on one group coaching for, you know, the first hundred buyers or it could be uh price is an option. But really, I mean, the only way I would ever do price is if, you know, my launch price is going to be a hundred bucks and regular price is two grand. Like it has to be special enough that it really makes it unique. There has to be something that really makes it amazing because. I like to think people have kind of stuck around from all these content pieces. I, I really want to make them feel like what I'm giving them is is really unique. It's something they're not going to get anywhere outside of the lawn. So might come with an extra book, might come with physically shipped objects, something, but it's going to be very special. I, and I like the fact that you're not talking about price. I was kind of leading into that because to me, everybody seems to be like, oh, we'll just discount, discount, discount. And I think that's a real mistake when uh, you know someone's quite willing to pay you $2,000, why are you 
giving it to him for a hundred bucks. You want to know something neat that I was talking with uh, some people about this morning in a in a mastermind call? I actually got the privilege to go to this mastermind group uh, several years ago where Dan Kennedy was there, Russell Brunson was there, and all these high rollers. And nobody who was there had paid less than five grand to be there. And everybody there was making over 10 million who were actually in the mastermind chat. And they were all talking about the threshold of money that you can make on different platforms. And what's interesting is there's this general consensus that a landing page can't push more than $100 unless it's software, and then it's 200 and then for webinars, the threshold's 2,500. If you, you know, on a webinar, it's pretty much impossible or very difficult to get past 2,500 on the price of a product on a webinar. With person events, 10,000 seems to be the rough limit. You're at a, a physical event or a seminar and you're teaching something, you know, asking more than 10,000 is a, is a really tough thing. But in person, the sky's the limit. I mean, 100,000, a million in person, one on one. Like Steve Jobs went to an investor and, and got four million from a guy on a one-on-one -on -one private chat in an office. That's possible because you've got that intimacy level. But you see the intimacy levels like landing page super cold, right? Hundred bucks, no problem. Two hundred maybe for software. But once you get up and up the scale in a webinar, you can close a twenty-five hundred dollar deal. So, you know, back to the launch factor and what you were talking about price point. You know, our famous you know mentor and friend uh, Corey Rudel used to say, never, ever make price your differentiator because somebody can always be cheaper. But when you're pushing value and, and through the right type of relationship and the right no like trust, I mean, really, you can sell what everybody else sells for a hundred bucks for 2,500 and people buy it all day long because there's an extra perceived value and extra perceived trust and, and relationship there. Okay. So Let's suppose that uh, we're talking to somebody and they have no list. They just started out and I'm actually thinking of like launching the podcast, but let's just keep it to kind of simple, like a product. How would you get the people to, so, cause I can kind of see your, the funnel is you've got a the landing page, you send them some stuff, send them some stuff, and then you kind of have the end game, so to speak, and maybe some OTOs or one time offers or downsells and all that sort of stuff going on. But for a lot of people, the problem is, is I know my mom, I know you, I know, you know, neighbor got a sister i don't know anybody so where am i going to get these customers from well the olden days answer which i used for years and you did too and we all did was to give away an ebook because everybody wants some chunk of value uh, that maybe answers a burning question they have and that used to work really well and i mean it still works but it's working at about half the effectiveness it used to today my favorite new thing is a membership site you know, maybe one module free or a piece of software like a quiz that, you know, says, you know, what stops you from being a rock star podcaster? You know, yes, I'm good at this. No, I'm good at that. And, you know, basically at the very end, we'll tell you on a scale of one to 50, you know, what the likelihood of you becoming entrepreneur on fire or not is, you know, like with something like that, in order to get the results, they have to confirm their email address to get the free report that tells them here's where you're at. And here's how you have to do to get here or to hear from where you are right now. Like those kind of things, you know, like the relationship tests and stuff like that, they work great. And people, of course, you know, are more than likely to confirm in order to get the answer or to get the log into the software. Of course, have to send your log into an email address, right? So it makes sense. It's just a no brainer. So those are the kind of things I do is make something that, you know, somebody needs to give their email address to get. And then, of course, whether you go viral 
and use some kind of a Martin Luther King style speech to polarize your audience and say, everybody in my audience would really, really like this. And, you know, it's kind of the manifesto of our industry. We need this and have a cause type thing that would kind of get shared and virally spread. Or whether you just use some ad spend and kind of target people in your niche who would be interested in the quiz or the, you know, or the membership site, something's going to, you need some kind of a hook to get them in there you know, the reciprocity bits and the, and the launch. Here's my techie part coming out. I'm like, do you like Facebook ads, AdWords, Bing ads, Craigslist ads? Is there any, I guess part of the answer is depends on the product and the audience and all the rest of it. But do you find one any more effective than the other? You know, what's weird is I find that I really do like Facebook ads for certain markets, but Google is still far more effective. Bing's exactly as effective as Google, but just a tenth of the traffic. They're really basically the same animal. But with Google, the weird thing is that when somebody's searching for something, they're actually hunting for an answer. And when you're on Facebook, you can slice it 10 ways to Tuesday, but there's still disruptive content. You're in their face with something they may not have wanted. Right. I mean, you can target people who may like this book and may like, you know, maybe in this age bracket or whatever. But if, you know, today at three o'clock, they see the ad and they're not, they're not looking at three o'clock right now for that thing. Still not as powerful as search somebody's searching for something and they're actively hunting their mind is dedicated their that moment of their life has been set aside for that search to an answer for this question nothing beats that awesome if somebody i think what you've been sharing is absolutely awesome information and way beyond what it was that i wanted to get out of you today so thank you very much for that uh if somebody wants to get a hold of you and uh, put together a membership so you can actually put together the membership site you can put together that relationship questiony thing that you were talking about you can help them with the adwords thing you can help them with the mail server you can help them with the email campaigns putting together the nice design of the site if they're like right off have nothing right yeah, I can do all those things. Uh, and you know what the cool thing is? Uh, over the years, I've been finding different ways to streamline costs and all that stuff. So I've trained a bunch of new people who uh, who cost a lot less. So I've got labor that can do uh, all those things for pretty affordable rates. If somebody wanted to talk to you some more and find out if there's a fit between you and them, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, if they went to www.answerswanted.com, that's www.answerswanted.com. Um, there's a, a, a free, what's it called? Free assessment, I think it's called. You will get into the process that you're going to want to put your potential customers into immediately when you go there. Isn't it funny that I recommend doing a quiz to get opt-ins? And there's a quiz on my site. I don't know how that happened. On there. Wow. And you know what's really interesting is that even if you never decide that you actually want to work with me or, or my team, uh, which there's pictures of my team on there. You can actually see their smiling faces. But even if you don't want to work with us, just go through that form yourself and just don't click submit because it, it in itself is an assessment. It's an analysis. It basically walks you through, you know, uh, do you have this figured out yet? Do you have this figured out yet? Do you have this figured out yet? And you can basically get, you know, find out where you're at just by going through the form. Awesome. So this is the Power Podcasters Blab, and uh, I really appreciate having you all uh, join us. And we're going to sign off now. Thank you very much, everybody. And thank you very much, Dan. Really appreciate it. www.answerswanted.com. And we appreciate the props. Uh, we're going to have to do this a little bit more, Dan. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs>